1: Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
2: Welcome to Cosmopolitans All The Way With, or welcome back if you're a regular listener
3: and we're a big fan of Madison the Escort. Uh... One time so, we'll discuss it. Not now. I'm Laura Capon. I'm Paisley Gilmore. And this week we'll be joined by Becky, who's navigating single life as an HIV positive woman.
2: And after our chat with Becky, I have got a question for Paisley from one from <laughs> one of you guys. <laughs> a oh, sex and relationships is. question. Brilliant.
3: So, you know, as a journalist, Elsie, you receive a lot as of... As a serious journalist. As a very serious journalist. You receive a lot of surveys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... This week I got a survey that I would like to run by you because I, I'm i shook. Okay. The survey was run by Price Spy and it looked into how many hours per year people spend having sex.
2: Hours per year people spend having sex. sex. Got it. Okay.
3: Okay, you ready? I don't day, know whether to... Should we guess first? Chair. How many hours per year do you think people have sex? Or even if you want to guess per week, per month, like... Uh, can what I, yeah, I... Okay, per week, I'd say one hour... One hour a week. So per year that would be fifty two hours, right?
2: Yeah. By Producer your... Dave? I was kind of thinking exactly the same thing. It's gonna depend on you as a person, your relationship and how old you are as well, oh, of course.
3: Yeah, and if you're single or But maybe an hour. Yeah, your guess? I thought it would probably be more than that. Yeah, I imagined a couple of you're hours a, a week. Kinky little person <laughs> Don't say that. Um Do you wanna know the truth? Yeah. 11 hours per year. What is that, a week? Okay, right. Do you want to hit... Okay, these are the working outs. On average, Brits will have sex three times a month for an average of 19 minutes each time. And the 19 minutes each time splits into 10 minutes of foreplay and nine minutes of penetration. Do you know what? That doesn't surprise (laughs) me because I'm not doing anything to help add that number up. Yeah, you're bringing us down. Yeah. Don't you think 10 minutes of foreplay and nine minutes of penetration is quite a... Oh, it's quite 20 sad. 20
2: minutes. What's 20 minutes in total? What do you mean, what's 20 minutes? So, those two, a two BJ, together. Oh, <laughs> a 20 minutes. So, it's like, it's
3: not even like an episode of EastEnders. It's not. And the thing that makes me sad is the nine minutes of penetration. I don't know about you, I've had sex with men, and nine minutes of penetration wouldn't even wet my whistle. Okay. It wouldn't touch one, the sides. Two, three, four. She's pretentious. Imagine if you had like a countdown, you're like, nine minutes. <laughs> to get in. in. Um, that, when
2: you put it down to
3: the cold, hard numbers, I'm not surprised in a way. Well, you, I know you've said to me before, like, there's this whole thing that millennials particularly are having less sex than older generations have. <laughs> than old people. Yeah. And boomers. I, boom, bloody Okay, boomers always shagging. Well, I've looked into it and read about that a lot, obviously, because it's my area. And... I feel like, of course, we're having less sex because we're always on our bloody phones. Modern oh, I hate work this. culture don't, don't blame is making everything. No, but it's not our fault. Like modern work culture and our financial restraints means that we're working all the time and we're really stressed and like, and living situations. And our li- yes, as and we've the question heard from we you had, before. Yeah, yeah. like. No wonder we're having sex less. But then I read this piece on The Independent that was really good and this writer said actually she thinks it's a positive thing that millennials are having less sex because she thinks it's down to the fact that our standards are higher and we're having less shit sex and we're making better decisions about who we have sex with and that's all down to, like, sex positivity and open conversations. So I was like, maybe that's a nice, like yeah. That. I think that's a nice way to end on it. I think ultimately it's about quality, not quantity. Um... Our pals at Women's Health, actually, they have a podcast called Going for Goal and they've got a new episode called How to Have Better Sex and they talk about, yeah, having better sex rather than more sex. So that's definitely worth a listen if you care about that kind of thing, which I do. I'll be downloading that on my commute. <laughs> Dave, nine minutes about right for you.
2: <laughs> on a good day, yeah. <laughs> I have got one point though on what you've been saying. Also, the less you have sex when you do have sex, the quicker the sex generally would be so if people are having less sex it's a self-perpetuating thing
3: but you're forgetting about wanking there dave you want elsie wants it to end yeah should we meet becky yeah come on becky (laughs) today we're joined by becky a 33 year old former teacher and mum of one who was diagnosed with hiv in 2015 being on medication means she's undetectable and can have sex without a condom with no risk of passing the virus on. Despite still facing stigma, especially from men on dating apps, she says her confidence in sex life is better than ever. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Um, so I guess we'd start with how did you come to receive your diagnosis? Yeah.
4: So in summer 2015, um, I was about three months out of my marriage. I was married from... Well, with my ex-husband from my 18 to 28. 18? Prime years. (laughs) Oh, don't, don't. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's a a lesson. (laughs) Um, And then I met someone on Tinder. He was the second person I'd met. And we started having a sexual relationship because I didn't want anything else because I'd just been with someone for 10 years. And then about five weeks after we'd met, um, he got a text of someone saying, that they'd got gonorrhea and we should probably go and get tested so I went and got checked up for everything and on that day they gave me the all clear my test results were all negative but they sent off the bloods for HIV and uh, syphilis and hepatitis because I'd never had a sexual health checkup before Um, and then a couple of days later I got a call to go in and I thought that they'd sent off the gonorrhea culture and that was just going to come back as positive Mm -hmm. but they sat me down and they said the HIV test. That's the one that's come back as positive. Okay. And you had no kind of inkling or ideas beforehand. It that was no, not really. I mean, on reflection, I look back and I did have a lot of symptoms of, of seroconversion, which is what happens when your body's um, trying to fight off the HIV when it first goes in there. Um, but I didn't know they were symptoms of that because I didn't know what those symptoms were. Because it was it was like fatigue, weight loss um flu like symptoms like night sweats and things like that. So I just thought I'd got the flu. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay. So when they told you, I mean, I guess it was a shock. What was like your initial It's it's reaction? just
4: it's just like a breakdown. Like I can remember sitting in that room and like staring out the window, just being like, No, no, that's not like that's not what's going on. Um and just thinking that your life is now over. Um mm. You do worry about death, like, immediately, because most people's knowledge about HIV is that you're going to die an mm-hmm. early death from it. But I was reassured, like, straight away in that very first meeting that that's not the case. People are on medication, you live a long, healthy life. But it's like your life is now over. You can't continue your life how it was. Anymore. It's like your life before yeah. that yeah. doctor's appointment and then your life after that doctor's yeah. appointment. Yeah, it was very much like that. And uh, my daughter was, like, sat on my knee at the time because I went in thinking I was just going to collect some antibiotics so it didn't matter because she was only two whether she was there or not. Um, So that was traumatic as well, um, having her there, because I just cried. I just cried for hours and hours, yeah. Yeah.
2: Could you have had it for like a long time before, or do you definitely think it was during that three-month kind of...?
4: Well, that was the only person I'd had sex with other than my husband. um, And my husband, my my ex-husband, is negative, so it was the only way <laughs> that it could have happened for me yeah. potentially people can live with it for years inside the body without knowing they've got it because not everybody goes through seroconversion symptoms some people just get it and then can live with it until it starts affecting their immune system they don't even know they've got it and um, but for me the seroconversion symptoms were really quite severe and um, so I imagine if I'd left it a couple of weeks because my seroconversion symptoms got worse and worse I would have gone to the doctors anyway and hopefully they would have found out but there are instances, I mean, I know a woman who is an older woman and she went in with symptoms for nearly two years and they just didn't do a HIV test. Oh, my goodness. They didn't think to ask her because she's an older woman, postmenopausal. They just didn't think to do it. And she got really, really sick because... It, it didn't fit the criteria of who yeah. would get H. She's not
3: the what people consider to be the yeah. stereotypical yeah. person, right? And mm. it is
2: so hard because in that GP appointment, they have like fifteen minutes, don't they? And yeah. I, mm. But also, you're
4: right. It's like the stigma. So, what was the first thing you did when you left the doctors? Um, well, I just I just went home and cried in bed mm. because my daughter like said it was about her nap time. I remember put her down for a nap, and I just went to bed and I just cried. And my ex partner was with me at the time. By pure chance, that was the very first time he'd ever met my daughter as well that <laughs> oh, no. day, yeah. um, and he'd just come over for the day to to visit because he lived in a different city. So he was there with me, and um, I told him the news like when we were, like, because he was just sat in the waiting room. He hadn't had his test yet, so he found out through he found out through me. And now I didn't have to tell him; they did give me the option of letting them tell him, but I chose to. I don't know why at this moment in time, but I just did. Um, yeah, so we just. We just sort of cried all afternoon. And yeah. then when my daughter got up, I uh, just tried to play with her and be normal for a bit. And then when she went to bed, my best friend I invited around that night and I told her about it. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel, and you really shouldn't feel this, but
2: did you feel that kind of shame that you shouldn't feel, that yeah. embarrassment to tell anyone?
4: Yeah, I did. I, did. I, I chose her very carefully because she's a nurse and I thought, well, she's going to have more knowledge about this. She's not a nurse in that area, but yeah. she'll hopefully be a bit more understanding um, I was very ashamed because you feel like it's something you've brought on yourself, like, you know, you've done this to yourself, basically. You should have been more responsible. You should have been more careful. And now you're, you've are that you damaged yourself because of wanting to have sex with someone, which makes you go in this sort of shame spiral. And yeah. I wouldn't let her, like, hug me. Oh, Sorry, it's a little bit emotional. I forget, no. I forget about it. Yeah, I wouldn't let her hug me or anything when she came over.
3: I guess sex and shame are so like intertwined Mm. anyway to add in HIV which has all this stigma is like triple threat shame.
4: And then they also, they had to like test my daughter which was really Mm. upsetting even though I've said it's not, you know, this sex happened like a few weeks ago. This is not anything that's been, and they said yes, but it's happened in the past where somebody's had sex during their pregnancy because obviously I'd had a HIV test in pregnancy and it was negative. But in the past, historically people have had um sex during their pregnancy contracted it and then it has transmitted to their children oh. um so that's why they had to do this and obviously she was perfectly fine like i knew she would be but it was yeah. still was traumatic for me to go through that for her she didn't even notice it, it <laughs> you just went to the doctors and that was it it was done yeah, yeah.
3: how did it affect things with your partner because i know you've said to me before it's so important not to blame someone cuz even being sick or you know when you have mental health problems in a relationship, f- I've had it and it affects me so much. I'm
4: wondering, like... Mm. Well, we just... We weren't really together. Like, when oh, we it met, was just a know, casual thing. It was a casual thing and it made us into a relationship because we found this out at the same time. Um, the relationship, even going into that relationship, I knew it probably wasn't right, but I was just... Needed the comfort. At the time, mm. I needed somebody else who was going through what I was going through and he, he wasn't sick. And he helped me when I was really poorly, and you know, things like that, because things were still really rocky with my ex husband. And because mm. we'd only just, it was only like four months after we'd split up. I was going to 10 all years. This. I yeah. Mean. <laughs> so yeah. it was, yeah, it sort of threw us together into mm-hmm. a relationship. It went from naught to 100, like straight away.
3: Yeah. yeah.
2: I think that is really, because I do think that, and that.
4: I feel like I would naturally be angry. I
2: know, like you say, you shouldn't, but I feel like in that initial thing, I would find that really hard to not be It's really weird. I just wasn't
4: at all. I wasn't angry at him at all in those first months because he didn't know and he genuinely didn't know that he was positive. Mm -hmm. Like, on reflection, when I've heard about him and his life and everything like that, it makes me question myself for not, being more aware of things like STIs if you know what I mean because uh, I just didn't think about it I mean I know my reasons like why it's because I was very insecure and um I had very very low self-esteem before I'd like after I'd left my marriage and everything and I just sort of grabbed on to the first person that gave me attention pretty much I think we've all been
5: guilty (laughs) of that And,
3: and also it's
2: horrible that everyone has probably had that experience and then you have do you what
3: I mean? Like,
4: yeah. And then yeah. that happened to you from that. and you, yeah. Most people
3: don't use protection at some point in their
4: lives, don't yeah. they? And it's one of those situations, like the first few times we had sex, we did use protection. And then one yeah. time we just didn't have any. And so we just did it anyway. Um, yeah. And I mean, I look back on it now and I can look back on it very differently than I did at the time. And sometimes I feel like I was actually vulnerable and taken mm-hmm. advantage of. Um, but then, at the same time, he's a very vulnerable person, and I don't think he was aware of taking advantage. If you know what I mean, so it's yeah. a really, it's a really yeah. blurred, grey, complex area. And we're here now, and yeah, and I, I, I was with him for about eighteen months. I'd so say. quite a long. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I found out very early on that that relationship wasn't healthy, and it mm. caused me a lot of trouble in other areas of my life. Um, but I, I was sort of holding on to it because for some like warped idea that it's okay i have hiv if i stay with that person because it's a love story then it's Mm. a lifelong love story so um for a while that was what was keeping it going and then once i'd realized no this isn't the case i I was sort of too deep into it i didn't quite know how to get out of it
3: did part did it cross your mind like when we break up i'm gonna have to start dating again and this is going to be a thing that I'm gonna maybe have to tell people or
4: you know it didn't really at the time because I was already aware of being undetectable and the yeah. sense that I could pursue a sexual relationship and I wouldn't have to tell people
3: can we just I think most people probably won't yeah. know what undetectable yeah. is so could you explain
4: so it means like the medication I take which is one pill a day um, it suppresses the virus in my body and it suppresses it to such low levels it's labeled undetectable when someone is undetectable it means that they can't transmit the virus sexually onto other people. Now, this has got about... This was uh, found out, if you, for lack of a better word, in 2008. And then they continue to do all of these extra studies. So we've got nearly 15 years' worth of data supporting this statement. And all the medical boards around the world and, like, the NHS, for example, endorse it. So it is, as far as we can prove, scientific fact.
3: Yeah, it's so, great.
4: And <laughs> I, I, I knew that before I'd sort of split up yeah. with him, so... I did think about it, but at the same time, it didn't worry me as much as it... I don't... I'm not really sure why. I think I was just safe in that knowledge. And is that reliant, are you taking that...
2: If you had, like, a break in your medication, and I'm guessing you get it through the NHS as well. Mm. The medication
4: is really successful. It actually only requires 90% adherence, which is actually quite low for something like this. Obviously... Taking it every day as prescribed is the way it's going to work the best. If people stop taking it, eventually the virus would start to replicate in the body and it would start to rise out of undetectable levels again. The time that takes will be different for each person. But if you miss a pill, even if you miss three or four pills, it wouldn't make any difference to that undetectable status. What happens is if you're missing three or four pills every week over time, you might build up resistance. um, Or if you just stop taking them altogether... Then after a few weeks, it will start to rise up again. But if you started taking sorry, if you started taking Mm -hmm. them again,
2: it would just suppress again.
4: Yeah, unless you'd built up a resistance. Again, it's not that common. You have to go on and off it a lot to build up a resistance to it. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, most of the time, you can just start taking the medication again.
2: So after you told your friend, um, like, how does it? Because it's also like. A really personal we don't all have to discuss our medical history with <laughs> our friends and family. You yeah. do if
3: you're my friend. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Um but is that something did you tell
4: everyone? Have you It's a it's a really weird situation because HIV has this it's just this stigma around it that if I had got any other th- condition that was going to be Mm. a lifelong condition i would have shared that with my friends and family and all i would have received was probably comfort from it now i did receive a lot of support from my friends and family but a lot of people don't they get ostracized they get stigmatized you know they get literally some people thrown out of their homes and fear for their life and their safety because of this virus and that's all it is it's a virus so um it took me i told that one friend And then I told two other friends again, my next person I told, she's a doctor. So again, I picked carefully.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
5: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
4: And then I told one other friend because I lost a substantial amount of weight, I lost about um four or five stone in the space of a few months. So yeah. they could physically, everyone could physically yeah. see there was something very wrong with my health. Yeah. And she bless her had dim. Um, Asked my other friend, thankfully the doctor, who knew what was going on, um, if she could have my mum's number because she thought I needed some support. And oh. um, and so I was like, why am I not telling? And this, I wasn't telling just because of the shame around Because I thought, not that she would judge me because she's not like that. I'd, but there was just something in my mind saying, you should keep this to yourself. Yeah. Um, but then after that, about six months later, I had again a little bit of a mini breakdown or whatever because I'd been so poorly... I got, I had that weight loss, and then I got sores in my mouth because of lack of nutrients, and then my hair started falling out because of the lack of nutrients, and that went on until like after Christmas, and I was just sick of it. Yeah. So I had this other, like, I was off work for about three weeks, so just like depressed, and and then I sort of ended up. Then I told quite a few people in like a short space of time, including my parents, and from then on, I've pretty much just been open about it.
3: When did you start? Because you're single now, right? Yeah. And you're you're very much on the apps, from what I see on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, not as <laughs> much. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Becky posts some of the interactions she has with people, um, screenshots on, yeah. oh. on, on apps on Twitter, which I always find really interesting because obviously, when you work in the sexual health sphere or posi- sex positive sphere, mm-hmm. we all know HIV is not in quotes a death sentence like mm-hmm. many people still think it is, and you know undetectable means undetectable, but that ne- that necessarily hasn't filtered down to. Mm. Society at large?
4: Oh, there's never a single straight man that I've told that I haven't had to educate. Yeah. Uh, so, every single straight man I've told, I've had to tell them what it means and what undetectable means and what the medication is. And yeah, nobody knows. And again, I say straight men because there are a few, um like bisexual men. As mm. You've probably read that, is my <laughs> preference. And, um, I get it. <laughs> so they tend to have a bit more knowledge, but not. Yeah. still some of them are still like what
2: what does this mean and at what point do you tell them like that must be such you you have like (laughs) it's so hard
4: if i'm having a sexual encounter with somebody and i Mm. know that that's what it is i don't tell them because there's no point because i know that i am never going to be able to transmit that virus onto somebody else Mm -hmm. so it's really none of their business and i have also learned that if i tell everybody I, i don't get to have sex Yeah. It's as simple as that. Because the judgment. Yeah. yeah. Um, So when it's that, I tend to just not tell. Um, I have had people find me, like, online afterwards, like, after I've had, like, a sexual encounter with them and then they've Mm -hmm. seen my public social medias and they've seen it and they've got back in touch with me. That's that's always a fun experience to (laughs) To say, like, what's this mean? No, they haven't. You know, it's two people have found me, like, in the wild, as I say. Mm -hmm. And... They were both quite cool about it in the sense that they were like, oh, right, OK. And he, he messaged me and he said, "What's I've I've seen your Instagram. I was like, oh,
3: OK. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> there it
5: goes. Um,
4: so I copy and pasted my text over that I sent to Do people. you have a template response? Yeah. Um, and then and I said, are you worried? He says, well, I was worried. But then when I saw it last night, I read stuff. He said I read stuff for like half an hour. And then I wasn't worried. And now you've just confirmed that you're on medication and everything like that. So it's like not bothered. And that's
2: the thing. That's the only way that people learn so that, as well. Because yeah. that's, I think, the problem with HIV is I, I don't know anyone. And I think my only would be from you films. You don't know if you know yeah. anyone. That's very true as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. um,
2: do you know what I mean? But from how it's yeah. of that typical, like, Freddie
4: Mercury or...
2: Yeah. So it is... But I feel I'm, like what you're doing yeah. is really
4: important because otherwise... People they don't yeah. don't learn. And People don't listen unless it's a personal story most of the time. Yeah, but then I equally, I've had men say uh, on dating apps, and I'll I tend to say look at my Instagram because it's a way of me just saying, well, they can just look at it and then they yeah. can decide what they want. And so they look and then they go, what? So you're HIV positive? I'm like, yeah, okay. And then I've had a man. Well recently say to me okay well I've never heard of that before I thought it was impossible not to transmit to someone so like if you had sex with someone you're definitely going to get it I said that's not the case undetectable blah 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 and he went okay well I've never heard of that so I don't believe it <laughs> that's it just point blank no, not going to believe wow. it and I said uh, so I tried to stroke his ego a little bit <laughs> and I said well, you seem like an intelligent man <laughs> um, here are some links. why don't you read the evidence the scientific evidence for mm-hmm. yourself because he was like a researcher that was his job um, and find out this information just went, no, it's a risk. And that was it. And then blocked, all gone. <laughs> I was like, right, whatever. Well, Fine. obviously, good, rid- good riddance for you. Yeah, but like, yeah. But it's so just sad. sad. It's sad. And, and it's happened before where a man I was chatting to was, he actually was a gynecological, did I say that right? <laughs> <think> gynecological so. <laughs> nurse. <laughs> And he had volunteered at a HIV centre in, in in one of the African countries. I can't remember which one it was now. So I thought, oh God, this is like perfect person. I told him, never replied, just, wow. just like blocked.
3: Of all people who might,
4: I know, and understand. you think that they would, but no, no. So
3: I, I was thinking, it's kind of quite if we want to put. Well, we are putting a positive spin on it. It's quite a good way to weed out the dickheads, isn't it? Because I know everybody says it's a good <laughs> yeah. bullshit filter.
4: Do you, do you think that it is? Or? But then at the same time, it's just annoying. You just get sick yeah. of it. You just get sick of. I guess it always as, having to explain. As, as well. soon yeah, as you yeah, like someone, it. one of the first thoughts you have is like, oh, I like them. Now I'm going to have to tell them, it. and now I'm going to have to deal with that yeah. when they reject me. Because it isn't if for me; it's when. Because the people who don't reject you are so few and far between, it's just like oh, this is going to happen now. So
2: it's hard because I was going to say then, I feel like there's other things that like I can relate to that on different levels, like being plus size and stuff like that. I just think oh, yeah, they, I feel this similarly. Yeah,
4: um, but then I get what you mean. You're just like it's always it's not an if it's a when. Yeah, and it's always like I feel like sometimes there's a list of things. It's like oh well, I'm a single mom, I'm overweight. Mm-hmm. And I've got hate. It's like, it's just like digging off all these reasons for them to just swipe on. This is problem with dating apps. Just, yeah. And then, but because I'm a single woman, I do work full time. When am I gonna? Sorry, yeah. <laughs> I'm no, gonna am right. allowed to swear. <laughs> <laughs> when am I gonna meet anybody yeah. else? Like I, it has I just, to be on the. It, apps. I can't find you know people in real life generally.
3: You know, you say you'd you once you like someone, you'd mm. tell them. Would that be if you were like, oh, we're gonna maybe be in like an exclusive relationship? That's when I would tell them. No, or?
4: I tend. To, I tend to tell them before I even meet them. Oh, now. you do know, yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I have gone on. Sometimes I'll go on a date with somebody and then decide whether I want to do anything or not. Is um, in do I want to tell them this information about me? Sometimes, but I just, I for me, it is just easier to direct them to my public social <laughs> media and just say this is the situation um, before I meet them. Um, And it is a little bit about protecting yourself, not getting invested Mm. in someone before they tell them. Because, I mean, I know a lot of men and women who choose to do things differently. They'll go on a few dates, they'll get comfortable with someone. And when they want this relationship, like you said, to be exclusive, Mm. maybe after a few months or weeks, then they tell them. And that's fine if they want to do that. And that's their choice. And it is about choice. But because I am so public about my status, I feel like I want to tell people about it.
3: And also, if you've gone on a few dates, you might have invested time and emotional energy mm. is it easier in a way to like you say yeah. for
4: me it is
2: yeah. yeah yeah for me that's the the choice I make about that so since your diagnosis and that
4: partner have you been in a relationship since I haven't no so oh. I've been single for about three years yeah um, oh, that's and not that's not long but I yeah. don't I don't I don't think that that's really to do with HIV I think that's more to do because do you the, want a relationship culture. I would like a relationship yeah, yeah. um it took me a while to know what I would want out of a relationship because I'd gone. That relationship I had with the partner who I ended up contracting HIV mm. from was very much a rebound after my marriage. And mm. unfortunately for him, Um, But it was because there was absolutely no time in between me splitting up and me getting together with him. And I needed to figure out, you know, what actually do I want out of a relationship? (laughs) Because I I say to my friend, like, I don't even know how to date. How do you date someone? Because all I've really known is you get together and then you live together. (laughs) 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 What, you don't see him for like a week? How does that happen? (laughs) You know. Um, So I'm still finding my way with that. But then it is also because... I just haven't had any blooming interest, <laughs> like long term, you know. Same. Every time I like someone, um, it's either HIV, they run away, or just because I'm a single mom and I don't have much time, and they don't want to wait. I think, unfortunately.
3: Yeah. <laughs> don't but, do, don't do the long breath. <laughs> yeah, don't
4: don't
2: go speed dating. That's all I'll say.
4: Oh well, yeah. now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Have you tried any of other forms actually of dating other than the apps? I mean, I
4: really haven't because again. Apart from going out and then, you know, literally just talking to people, you know, I am um, a big part of my social life at the moment is wild swimming. Um, oh, I love doing swimming. it. Um, and I did think, oh, well, it might be nice if I meet somebody, you know, who... Another Yeah, yeah <laughs> another person who likes swimming. And, you know, so I. it's not that I only do things where I wouldn't meet new people. I do do things where I meet new people. It just hasn't been the right person. person. Yeah. So... Um, it's not like I wouldn't be open to it again, but I'm just not quite sure how because, again, all my friends they're they're pretty they're all married or equivalent of married, you know. Same. Same.
3: So you're yeah. in a long term relationship. <laughs> Pipe down. <laughs> but I act like a teenager in that long term <laughs> relationship, so it's different. Yeah. You mentor other people, right? Mm. And I think you've said to me before, like you're aware your position is somewhat privileged. Yeah. And so, how from mentoring other people, how what have you learned about other women living with HIV and how their experiences are different?
4: Um, what I've learned is that I, I, like you said, I have a certain privilege because I am—I have a really good support system around me. I know that being public about my status isn't going to do me any harm or my family any harm, um, because I am strong enough to be able to challenge it if I do receive any stigma. Whereas a lot of the women I speak to are very stigmatising, they're very self-stigmatising, the, a lot of their family and friends nobody knows or very few people know. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are in horrible relationships because they go, oh, well, he accepts my HIV, so... And yeah.
2: Kind of toxic, um, but... Yeah. yeah.
4: Um, and I don't think that's always just because of the HIV. I think a lot of women end up in relationships that are, they're unhappy in because they don't know how to be happy outside of a relationship. Yeah. Um is, 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 is my experience with them. But um, I think it's just that they've got very similar things to me as what I had—a very low self-confidence, low mm-hmm. self-esteem, and the HIV is just an extra thing on top of it to worry about. Yeah, really because they're all healthy they're all well they're all on medication they're all undetectable yeah. you know Um and it's just different circumstances you know I, I chatted to a woman once who unfortunately uh, this man had um, transmitted HIV to about three or four women in the all sort of the same area when they all knew each other and they're all always at each other's throats fighting and yeah. you know threatening to out each other and things like that because of the way that's their environment that's how they live and Um, It's very scary for those women to have this news because of fear of being outed. It's like in any small community. um, If you're different, you know, it's going to be harder. Whereas I live in quite a big community, you know, so me being public about things like this, it's not going to affect me as much. If somebody says something bad about me, I really don't care because they don't mean anything to me. It's not going to affect my life. Um, But for them it does, yeah.
3: Yeah. Are you able to just talk us through Because obviously people still very much associate HIV with gay and bisexual men. (laughs) There was a report in twenty eighteen that we've spoken about before that showed that I think I remember reading it was hundred thousand women well, in the UK, but I guess that's an old stat. So
4: hundred thousand people in the UK oh, okay. living with HIV, thirty percent are women. Okay. Um worldwide. That some people yeah. To know that, yeah. Worldwide it's over fifty percent of women living yeah. with HIV. But in this country it's about something like thirty three percent. Yeah. Um, so about a third of the people with HIV are women in this country, yeah. So I mean it's a lot higher than people might think people yeah. do associate it with being like some sort of gay mm-hmm. virus that only they they get really and when we talk about transmissions they're going rapidly down in men who mm-hmm. have sex with men but in the heterosexual community they're basically staying the same and in some populations like the over 50s and the under 25s they're going up a little bit and so it's just the knowledge yeah. like lack of knowledge uh, in those communities really I guess it's not knowing you're at re- you're at risk, mm. so they're yeah. not paying attention It's like attention me, I just was... I, when I met up with that person to have sex with them, I didn't mm. think about HIV. It literally mm-hmm. didn't enter my head. Yeah. It wasn't part of my thought process of what could happen to me yeah. going and meeting this person for the first time. I'd have never done that kind of thing before. And yeah. all the nerves going through HIV didn't even enter my head, so... Yeah. How do you wish people would react when you tell them? I wish that um, they would just listen and understand, um, because... If someone's telling you their HIV status, it it means that they trust you and that they want you to know this very personal information. Um so just listen to what they've got to say and ask questions if they want to ask a question, ask because that's the best way of learning and understanding. Um ultimately though,
3: you ha- you do feel
4: more confident and happy in yourself and although Oh definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When something like this happens, you sort of I reevaluate yourself and I was always beating myself up, mainly for being fat. It was like nothing would ever happen in my life that was ever good because I was still overweight so nothing else mattered. And I was lived with that my whole life since I was about twelve years old. And I realised why am I beating myself up about something? Why can't I just learn to live and be happy? And yeah. and it did and it was a learned skill and it took me about two years to to learn to stop beating myself up. And just become happy and become confident. I'm a completely different person than I was before my diagnosis. I'm much more compassionate, much more empathetic and much more confident. And I think a nicer person. So, <laughs> And I don't know if that would have happened if I didn't get my diagnosis. It might have because I was out of my marriage and I was able to look at myself a bit more. But, I mean, it was definitely a catalyst for change. And it's made me a better person yeah at the beginning I felt like I wanted to hug you but
2: now (laughs) I want you to hug me we'll hug her later yeah
3: well thank you so much for coming thank you thank you
2: so, I've got a question for you from one of our podcast followers.
3: Yes, thank you for sending me questions. And please do keep sending them.
2: Please um do. Either on our personal socials or the cosmopolitan ones. <laughs> um, so, the question is, I've just come out and met someone, but I'm scared because I have no sexual experience with a woman and I'm too
3: embarrassed to tell her. Okay. Can I just say, really relatable, like... In my job I get a lot of people just reaching out to me in my day-to-day life saying this exact same thing and I think the more we talk about sexuality and we realise that it's fluid, more people are going to be going through this so don't feel like you're alone in it because I know that's not the case. Um, ultimately, I, I understand why you feel embarrassed to tell her because it, yeah. sex, it's like you're vulnerable anyway and if you haven't had sex with a woman or a person with a vagina before, I totally get that. But if she's going to be a dick about it, then like maybe she's not worth having sex with anyway. Do you know what I mean? Like Agreed. I would I would say, hey, look, this is the situation, and then if if she is rude about it or makes you feel bad, then probably don't have sex with her. What, I don't know. Do you think that's legit? Agreed. And also, like, do you have to
2: tell her before?
3: Like as as well. Like I don't know if you should have
2: to. I guess. No, it's I mean, maybe up like you. afterwards, you could if you wanted to, then you could say.
3: You could say. I mean, I know I'd always say because. I'd want to just basically set the bar and Low. be like, no. <laughs> I mean, we've all had to have sex for the first time. Yeah. Everyone does it. And I don't know. I think it's also exciting to tell her. I'm like, yeah. brilliant. Because also I think if it was the other way around, if someone said that to me, I would never judge them for that. No. Like, I guess
2: flip it on yourself. Like if someone said that to you, would you be like, oh.
3: Absolutely not. Never. And no, if anything, you think, sweet. <laughs> You're good. Um I was just going to say as well, even though Dave's telling me to hurry up, um, that having sex is having sex regardless of what anatomy or that person has or what gender they are. And it's all about communication and trust and having a laugh. So don't see it as first time with a woman, just see it as first time with a new person and also have a great time because it's fucking brilliant (laughs) you're so good at this
2: thank you Uh, so that brings us to the end of this episode um, of Cosmopolitans All The Way With thank you to Becky for joining us and obviously to you for listening and sending in your questions Um, please do keep them coming Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Cosmopolitan UK
3: Cosmopolitans All The Way With was recorded at Number 8 Studios and is available to download on all the usual podcast apps we'll see you next week see you then bye